This episode of Next Gen is brought to you by Jeje Lacoutre. Hello and welcome to Next Gen, CNA Luxury's podcast where we speak to the second or third generation family members of Singapore companies. I'm Aaron De Silva, editor of CNA Luxury, and I'm here to find out what makes them tick and how they're planning to take the business to the next level. Today we're speaking to Jason Kwan, whose mom Violet Kwan started Lana Cakes in 1964. Her home-baked cakes, especially the chocolate fudge cake, are legendary. Many Singaporeans have fond memories of Lana Cakes, celebrating their birthdays, weddings, and anniversaries. In 2016, Jason took over the business. Hi, Jason. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, Aaron. Very glad to be invited here. Thank you for joining us. Now, Jason, it's the middle of the afternoon. And we're sitting here in the recording studio. What's missing from this picture? I was thinking about cakes, but I guess we'll cut cakes after the session. <laughs> we brought one to the studio, and maybe we we'll enjoy a piece of cake and maybe coffee. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We are missing a slice of cake. Um, and speaking of cakes, how often do you eat your own cakes aside from t- taste testing, of course? Actually, not as often as people think. We do obviously do taste testing and quality control, but nowadays I find myself having cakes in the fridge all the time because I'm trying to catch up with a lot of friends and people generally would come over and to have coffee and cakes. So there's always cakes in the refrigerator and to eat. So is it like an everyday thing or no? Um, I think it's really more of maybe once or twice a week, but uh, it's always nice to meet up with old friends and even potential. Uh, vendors or clients. What about at family meals? Are cakes the default dessert? No, uh, to me, to me, cakes, at least the kind of cakes that we have, is really more to celebrate something. Mm-hmm. Even in my immediate family, when we get together, we usually cut the cake just to try it, uh, and unless there's something to celebrate, um, we actually don't eat a lot of different kinds of desserts. Sometimes local uh, fruits simply because the family is overseas and away and when they come back they want certain kinds of local desserts right yeah your family is away your your wife is living in japan and where are your kids um so my wife and my youngest son are based in japan mm-hmm. as some people may know i worked and lived in tokyo for almost 18 years so when i made my decision to come back to singapore to take over the business we thought that we would let my younger son complete his high school before he comes back to Singapore to do his national service. So uh, it's been about three years now overseas, but it's another year to go and looking forward to having them back. Mm. My oldest son finished his national service in Singapore, and now he is studying in a college in the US. I see, yeah. I see. Having your family scattered all over the world must be quite difficult for you, especially in this time. To me, family is everything. You know, it has been hard simply because we have physically been apart and this COVID pandemic doesn't help. This summer is the first time I've seen my whole family in one place in the last 10 months. So uh, it was a very precious time, spending time uh, catching up, going out to eat, but we didn't really get to go out to eat. What did you guys do together? Well, uh, a lot of home-cooked meals. The family learned to play mahjong, which was really interesting. And we invited my mom, who lives next door, to come over to play. And it was quite, it was lots of fun. Uh, It was quite surprising. My mom actually won most of the sets. 
for a 93-year-old lady, obviously with a lot more experience, uh, I think she won more than 50-60% of all the, all the games we played. So you live next door to your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you get together or see each other or have family meals? Um, I go over often just to check up on her. I would invite her, or when, especially when our families are here, we'll invite her over for meals. And as when we can, we do try to take her out for lunch. So just this last weekend uh, on Sunday, we took her out because she wanted to eat seafood. And uh, she actually um, took her Benadryl uh, because she has a little bit of uh, seafood allergies just to eat this uh, uh, crab fried bihun. What's your relationship with your mom like? Um, we come from a very f- small family, um, and I, th- I think we're very close. Um, I absolutely respect, and I'm actually extremely proud of my mom. Um, my father passed away when I was 16 years old, so since the early 80s, um, I think my mom basically carried on life. She was a single mom, a widow. She was running the cake shop. She was providing for us. And, you know, considering that how she has built the business and to be able to do all of that, uh, afforded to send us to schools overseas, it's just amazing. You know, I'm really proud of what she's done, especially if you consider, even in this day, you know, a single mom trying to make ends meet in any working environment is never easy. So I think her legacy, to me, the legacy is not just Lana Cakes, it's actually the legacy of her, actually how she has brought us up and allowed us the opportunities that we have had. Um, I think this is one of the most amazing things that I'm, I'm almost breathless when I think about what she's done for us. And I'm really proud of her and and uh, we really do appreciate what she's done for us. When you say us, you're referring to you and your sister, well, right? Uh, it's me and my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister, she's based half her time in the States because her family is in the States. But she comes back to Singapore as, as often as she can to spend time with my mom and the family. I think my mom is now really quite happy that as she gets old and both children are close by. So, you know, uh, we will try to do as much as we can with her. What were your earliest memories of your mom's shop? Okay, the cake making business has always been around me. I think my mom was pregnant with me when she sort of the early days of baking. So we actually baked and sold cakes from the house. So for about 10 years at my mom's current residence, uh, we were selling cakes. I remember days in the garden outside where customers would park the car, walk in, and I'll say, hi, welcome to Lana Cakes. So it is a big part of growing up. Mm-hmm. And when the cake business became big, I helped to actually move the business and the equipment from the house to the shop. I remember pushing the cooling racks for the cakes from the house to the shop, which is about only 300 meters away. I saw my dad setting it up and the rest is history. You spent 18 years in Tokyo uh, before you came back in 2016. What was your life like back then? 
As some people may know, um, prior to coming back to take over the business, I worked in banking. And I worked overseas for about 25 years in Zurich, London, and Tokyo. Life is very different in banking. It was long days, long hours. You know, you start about 6.37. I try to get home in time for dinners with the family, but always would end up getting on global conference calls after. But living in Tokyo was amazing. The thing that I like and I miss a lot is actually the seasons. Mm. Every season, you have different kinds of food. You get to wear different kinds of clothes. And the one thing I truly do miss is skiing. So every year, we would take the kids about five to six weekends off skiing. I noticed you didn't mention anything about Japanese food. Uh, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Too many to mention. Well, it's, it's definitely something I miss. You know, F&B and different kinds of food in Japan is amazing, whichever way. You can um, accept some of the regional local foods. You can pretty much get most kinds of food in Japan, whether it's French cuisine. Uh, the Italian pasta is one of the best anywhere in the world. We do go out to eat as a family quite a bit. Uh, if we sit down and talk about the food we miss, uh, it will be in a few hours uh, long. So... <laughs> Okay, the F&B scene in Japan, um, I'm sure there's a lot of confectionery shops, cake shops, patisseries, and all that. What was your impression of that, coming uh, from a background in, in cakes? In terms of chocolate cakes, patisseries, Japan is about one of the best places in the world to eat. What I particularly enjoy is actually the Japanese strawberry shortcakes. There's something about the use of very sweet strawberries and and the fresh creams uh, that I do miss quite a bit but it's kind of interesting compared to the cakes that Lana makes it's still a very old nostalgic type of cake that is not available in Japan I think that's one of the key things about Lana cakes right it's that nostalgic old school flavor that you just can't find anywhere else anymore mm. and I think that's what makes it so popular and what makes people come back for more Tell us about how you made the decision to come back. What was your conversation with your mom like? Well, it wasn't a specific decision to come back to take over. In fact, um, as many of the listeners may know, um, I think back in 2016, there was a lot of media coverage in the papers, on the internet, about my mom looking for a successor. I think she did receive quite a lot of inquiries about cake, but when it came to around March of 2017, I decided to come back for my block leave. I came back to speak to mom to, to ask her and to check with her what's happening with selling the shop. Are you going to proceed with that uh, and see what I can do to lend her my help? Um, what I discovered was my mom was really depressed and sad about the situation. You know, I felt that she didn't want to sell her cake shop. In fact, in our discussions, it became clear that she was basically thinking of just closing the business and not selling it and just let it be the way it is. I never thought I would ask the question. I asked my mom, is this something that I should take over? When I told her that, she was actually really just surprised because she has never expected me to take over the business. In all our lives, my mom has never expected my sister or I to run the business. 
Um, so I hadn't spoken to anyone about this, but I thought about it to say, and I told my mom, okay, I have two weeks here. Let me go down to the shop. Let me look around. Let me see whether this is something I can consider doing. You know, again, what do I know about being a baker? You know, I, I've been a banker all my life. So that was how it started. The two weeks was quite interesting because, you know, I walk into the cake shop and it was just so familiar. You know, my mom has run the business the same way in the last 40 years. So most of the processes, the equipment, the pots and pans in the shop is exactly the same as I remember as a small kid. Everything was familiar. The only thing I didn't know was the recipe, how to make the cakes. After my break, I went back. I told my mom, let me, let me think about it. Let me see, try to figure out what I need to do before I will commit to her. Mm. So then what was the thing that convinced you that this was the absolute right thing to do? It's a little bit to do with, you know, the legacy. A lot of people talked about uh, having celebrated many events, whether it's birthday, anniversaries in the cake shop. For me, at that point in time, I had worked about 30 years in banking. And I was also thinking, is banking the way I want to go till I retire? Is this really something that I should do? I had a long discussion with my wife and my kids. And we had to come up with a plan to decide what to do with them. Uh, would they come back with me or should I just come back alone? Um, you know, it is my decision to make, but I want to ensure that the kids and the family continue the life the way they are. So in any given week, what percentage of chocolate cakes do you sell versus non-chocolate cakes? A huge proportion Mostly will be chocolate cake. We don't make many non-chocolate cakes. We make enough uh, so that the regular clients who want it can order. But there's always a waiting list. Uh, or there's people order anywhere between two to three weeks in advance for the non-chocolate cakes. It's a happy problem, but uh, it causes some problems because there are times where customers want the non-chocolate cake for, for example, a birthday celebration that we don't make a cake on that day. Uh, quite often, we it's not very possible to actually help them with it. So we always have to apologize profusely, especially for customers who have been having that cake for, for many years. Uh, but we try our best. Do you pay attention to food trends? I mean, these days, there are more and more people with things like gluten intolerance. Uh, some people are more conscious of the origin of ingredients. Do you pay heed to any of these? I am quite aware of you know, different requirements. Since I've been back, customers have always asked, why don't you make a gluten-free cake or, you know, or eggless cake? While I, I have purchase books on how other people make those cakes, I haven't really had time to actually dive into it. As to talking about the food source, I, I guess you're really talking about sustainability. Yes. Um, to me, sustainability is quite broad, and I look at it in different ways. One would be sustainability of the source of the food. So 
Lana Cake is a very simple, basic cake shop. You know, we use the most basic ingredients to make cakes. So when we talk about our ingredients will be flour, sugar, eggs, um, and obviously for chocolate will be cocoa. When you talk about sustainability, you talk in terms of what you can use locally as one one part of it. The other one is how sustainable the food source. Of those ingredients, cocoa is probably the most, uh, that has a lot more um, coverage about sustainability in the last probably five years. As much as we say we order a metric ton of or more of co- cocoa, we are really a small uh, consumer of cocoa. Uh, we are dependent on our producers to actually get it. So in making a decision about the cocoa, we would try to use uh, producers or suppliers who have a sustainability program. So the one that we purchase the brands for actually have a sustainability program up to 2025. Every year they're required to have an external auditor to write and to give a report about sustainability. Sustainability to us also touches a little bit into being green. You know, we look at whether the boxes we use, we do speak to a supplier to see, okay, how do you make your boxes? We don't necessarily go to vendors that offer us the cheapest price. In fact, a lot of our vendors are still the same vendors we've been using for 20, 30 years. But we do ask them the question on how you source your raw materials. And lastly, something that we're working on is really being green relating to our plastic bags. This year, we actually moved to to use the biodegradable plastic bags. We're working with a vendor to see whether we can use recyclable bags that maybe we will sell. And if customers bring them back, we can offer them a special uh, discount. We're trying to come up with a green strategy on how we tackle some of these issues. Now, with a legacy business like yours, it's a challenge to keep things the way they are. For example, with the recipes, with the taste, with the flavour that customers grew up loving. At the same time, you also need to innovate. How do you maintain that balance? For us, you know, the expectation of having this legacy taste, legacy feel is, is almost important, but doesn't mean that it needs to be the same. You know, since I've joined in, and I think I've mentioned a little bit, but, you know, for years, we've had customers ask us, can you please put more fudge on our cake and we're happy to pay you. That's always been difficult because how much more do you pay? You know, so as part of giving a better offering, we actually have come up with what we call this FLO, Fudge Lovers Only. So it's a chocolate cake on steroids. Um, (laughs) So what we do is, it's only one size. It's made using this, the very traditional chiffon cake pan, the one that has a funnel hole in the middle. It has double layers inside of chocolate. And for the funnel in between, we actually pour additional fudge in it. So it's a lot of fudge. Um, I think of the weight of about one and a half kilos, two-thirds of the weight is fudge. Wow. So we have customers who absolutely love it. And then you have customers who find that it is a little bit too much. 
So innovation is really looking at what you can do to actually bring to the table in terms of different kinds of products or so. During Christmas, about two years ago, we actually decided to make a log cake. So we use our mocha cake and we actually make a cake that almost look identical like a tree log. So those are some of the things that we try to do to make it a little bit interesting. Within the scope of what we do as a very nostalgic cake, sometimes being too innovative is actually a challenge. We would like to do it in, in small bits and pieces and as we get better and maybe where we can handle the production, we might consider other options. I think the interesting thing about a business like a, such as yours is the fact that it is almost charmingly anachronistic. It is not one of those um, businesses that you know, jump immediately on Instagram and spread through word of mouth. Um, I believe you guys only started your Instagram page very recently. We didn't have an internet footprint until about November, December of 2018. Um, my mom had photo albums with cakes. Uh, we weren't on internet. We didn't have Facebook, Instagram. Um... We look at Instagram and some of these tools as ways of promoting what we have as opposed to selling. We're still a very traditional cake shop and we believe that word of mouth still works. I think a lot of our customers are coming back because friends are trying the cakes, they are inviting them to do so. Obviously, the other thing that we needed, the sort of um, a website and f Facebook is that we needed to start doing online ordering and the delivery business. So this was sort of some of the things that was not easy to take on by my mom. But obviously, in this new world and the way things work now, it's a must-have. So we're still working on trying to improve our website. Uh, in fact, our website was built by my two boys oh, wow. uh, when they came back and they just helped us put it together. Simple, no frills. Do you have any plans to scale up the business or, dare I say it, franchise overseas? I think considering the challenges of the pandemic, it's not an area that I'm focusing on. You know, um, I do think that longer term, I would like to consider taking uh, Lana Cakes International. At the moment, I'm more focusing back on making sure that our business in Singapore is strong and as good as it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be everywhere. We built the business based on quality and consistency. You know, it's never about mass production. It's never about making as much as you can. You know, I look at this more as a marathon whereby we want to maintain this legacy. We want to go the distance. It's not a sprint where you're just expanding. And I believe our customer come to us because, you know, when they buy a cake, they sort of know what to expect. If we focus just on expanding, I do have my questions about, can I really continue the quality and the consistency the way customers would expect of us? Maybe in a few years when things are better, I will consider other markets. I do have many offers whereby people will come to the shop and say, do you think you would like to go open in, whether it's China, Indonesia, and you'll leave cards for me? 
at the moment, you know, I just want to focus on doing the best I can do for the Singapore market. So you get a lot of people coming in and asking you to franchise. How how often does that happen? Well, not not as much now, but uh, in the past, every month will be once or twice people will come in and ask the questions. Or people will also ask, would you consider supplying me to coffee shops or other places? Do you get people coming and asking you whether you're interested in selling the business? I haven't really seen much of that since I've taken over. I, I guess maybe since there's a very specific sort of succession plan since I've taken over, I haven't seen that. At the moment, I, I have no plans to do so. Many people have asked us, why don't I open a cafe? In a way, I'm glad I haven't done it because that would have been difficult during this pandemic. But again, these are all opportunities that I will have to take into consideration and look at what are some of the things that I want mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. What are the most important lessons that your mom taught you? Hmm, tough one. I would think it would be to respect and treat people the way you would want to be treated. You know, and this extends across every level. It's whether it's outward to your bosses, to your peers, um, to people who work for you and with you. I actually feel that if you treat everyone the way you want to be treated, the world is a much better place. You get much better service. People remember you. Um, that's something that I try. I, I have always tried in terms of what I've done when I was working in the bank and also even now as I run Lana Cakes. It's always nicer to you know, welcome someone's smile. Good, good day to you. How are you doing? That's something um, I believe I've learned from my mom. And I hope that if anything, my staff and my kids will continue. For sure. I think a smile goes a long way. And I think um, for anybody walking into a shop or a restaurant or a cafe, it's just so much nicer when you're greeted with a smile. Um, and then you smile back. Mm. And then suddenly everything is nice and, mm. and, and all is good in the world, right? <laughs> so to speak. What does it mean to be a part of a business that has been around for 57 years? It is a long time. You know, uh, it comes with responsibility. You, you have customers who have certain expectations. Anytime a customer can walk into the shop and basically say, I've been eating this cake for the last 30, 40 years. I feel that you almost have to try harder. When I came back, I knew it was not, it was not easy to take over this business. I found myself working literally the first probably six months, seven days a week. When you know, when the shop is closed, I would be working to try to reorganize the storage room, you know, try to make things better, the workflow uh, better for the business, just to ensure that we can actually be a better place to work, be a better place where we make the cakes that people expect. So it's a lot of hard work. It is very... You know, we almost on a daily basis, we actually see old customers come in and they talk about, uh, you know, they've been celebrating the birthdays, anniversaries for years. Some of them, as I mentioned earlier, remember me when I was young. 
So it's very, it has been very encouraging when they come back and they tell you about the the cakes. Um, I I have no regrets that I have uh, sort of given up my banking career to come and do this. I do miss that part of my life. But you know, when you deal with people. It comes with the warmth. It comes with you know the, the joys and the tears. You know the stories and the happiness that that your customers share with you. And that's something that I think I feel that keeps me going in Lana Cakes. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's there are a lot of rewards, uh, intangible rewards from it. Now, your mom didn't have any expectations of you uh, taking over the business. Do you have any expectations of your sons taking over the business at some point? My wife and I do not wish for our kids to feel that they have the responsibility to take over the business. Just as the way my mom didn't expect me to, I really hope that they find their own passion and pursue whatever they want to do. You know, I think there's a lot of things out there for them to learn. There's a world to see. We're lucky that we might be able to allow them to have a good education, and hopefully work for a company or a couple of companies to see the world. After that, if it's something they want to consider, it may be a consideration, but it's not something we are telling them that oh, um, after you finish your education, after this, you're coming back home. It is not. I'm only fifty-five, so in theory. Uh, I could be doing this for a little bit longer. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you very much, Jason, for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's been enjoyable. I hope to be able to meet many new customers. If they come to the shop, please look me up, say hi, and thank you for this opportunity to be part of your podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. Now I believe it's time for cake. Cake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's boil the coffee. Let's. <laughs> This has been Next Gen with Aaron De Silva. If you don't want to miss an episode, remember to subscribe. CNA podcasts can be found on the CNA website and app, as well as on Spotify and iTunes. This episode of Next Gen was brought to you by Jeje Lacoute.